August 21, 2023. So off for Pedro's show.
Drug Show. Happy Monday. Starting off with an excerpt from John Coltrane playing on November 18, 1961. I want to talk about you. And then we had Hostage Pageant. Let the frown on your sister's face. Because of those software engineers from Estonia with their Skype invention, I got with Shane Church. Welcome aboard. Hey, Watt. Thanks for having me. Absolute. Right away, we got to give credit to Sky Irvin for making the connect. Absolutely. Cheers to Scotty. Absolutely. Had a lot of cats he knew, he knows, in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, well, how do you know him? Uh, through the noise scene. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, somewhat regionally uh, in a similar area as well. Um, Southwest Virginia for me and uh, bordering North Carolina area for Scotty, a couple hours away, two or three hours-ish. And, yeah, uh, we met doing doing our thing through the noise scene Playing on, you know, the same bills probably, wow, he could probably correct me, but upwards of 10 years ago, I would say. Okay. No collabs? No, not he and I. Maybe that's not something yet. that we can eventually not make yet. happen. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Because if Watt could do it with Scotty, then you can't do it. In fact, he just sent me drums for round two with the Spirit of Hamlet. But let's yeah. talk about your journey through music sure. as far back as you can go. Please bring your earliest musical recollection. Well, well, honestly, my earliest memories just in general pertain to life it, were, you know, having to do with music. It seems like my first recollections were always based on, a, you know, an album or a time or something in my life. It, my, even my parents telling me that before I even have recollections, you know, that when I was like in diapers that was obsessed with certain records uh, would literally, you know, kind of like hobble over to the turntable and just skip the tone arm across the surface of the disc if it was something I didn't want to hear, you know. Uh, obviously, so young, didn't even know how to operate the tone arm. And then, you know, I uh, was, you know, as I grew older, I, I got involved in school band. And um, at the same time was sort of like doing this parallel thing where I would go to school and study in band. Uh, and I was in, involved in different facets of school band as well. Concert band, marching band, jazz band, uh, the whole nine. Well, let, let me and, ask um, you about your sorry? pad. Let me ask about the pad you grew up in. Was there any musical instruments besides that tone arm? <laughs> no. Uh, my dad, you know, um, made a modest attempt at guitar. He had an acoustic, which I, I still actually is my acoustic to, the, to this day. Uh, he, he gave up, you know, uh, like a lot oh, of people Oh, so there do. was one. Did, and you jumped on the guitar when you were a boy, or did you wait? Well, you know what was funny about it? It was like, I think he actually handed that down to my uncle first, one of his brothers. And so I didn't even, like, get it right away, you know? Okay. Um, and, and eventually, once I was able to at least, you know, uh, somewhat proficiently play, uh, I, then he was basically like, hey, I think, you, you know, you need this. and instead of me. So my uncle gave it back to me. The first thing I ever really remember doing, you know, was literally beating on like pieces of luggage and percussion. You know, pots and pans and that whole thing, you yeah, know? Percussion. Uh, okay. Well, guitar, you know, used to be in the rhythm section and those swing bands shit. And so kind of a percussion, the way you play it, right? You strike the string. And you, you mentioned that you were in the school band and stuff. What, what did you work in the school band? So uh, in concert bands, I did a mix of uh, brass and percussion. I played trombone as well as bone. like timpanis and stuff like that. Okay, the in bone. concert band. I'm interested in the bone because that's bass clef. 
Yeah, bass clef, <laughs> I, that, but I learned to read first, you know, treble clef came later for me, I read Did, bass were first, you, were you in the and it's, you know, it's like a fretless bass in a way, right? Like there's no defined, Absolute, it's not defined by Microtone. keys, you know, it's, it's slide position. And what yeah. I heard too from my buddies, if, if you were in the marching band, I don't know if you were in the marching band, but it's a little easier because the big mouthpiece, shit yeah. like trumpet <laughs> and French horn and shit, kind of tough. Yeah, I mean, the way they basically, you know, the director sort of seated us, if you will, was based on those mouthpieces, right? Like, you know, um, how you were able to produce sound, like what, you know, the small one with the trumpet, uh, up to the larger scale with the trombone, and on up to like the tuba and stuff, you know? Believe it or um, not, I'm trying to, you know, I got this euphonium on tour. I thought it was baritone home, but I learned it's a euphonium like 30 years ago, and I'm just trying to learn it now. God damn, is it hard. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. Some of it, some of it is really challenging, especially like trying to revisit it after some time. You're just like, what the hell's going on right now with this instrument? You know. Let me uh, ask you this: What was the first record you bought with your own money? Wow, that's uh, I've bought so many records over the year and continue to. Um, that's a really tough one. What I will say that I remember the first records that I was, you know, gifted that I had and that I played a well, shit ton. Well, I ask you that because when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money. So I'm curious, like, what would you yeah, spend your money? That was on? it. It was, it was it was hand me downs for right, me, man. Right. You know, and it was uh, fucking Alice Cooper, love it to death. Oh yeah. And, um, now, did you have the one? So long, did you have you know? the one? Did you have the one? Where you could no, see his, no, no, you could see his thumb, or do you have the one with the airbrush thumb out? It, it was the bordered, like you know, where it's yeah, it's got it censored out, you know. Yeah, because the first ones you could see the thumb. Yeah, and it was like a full, uh, like the twelve inch, the whole sleeve was covered with that image, and then they started yeah. putting that white border on the top and bottom. And I mean, it was cool too because my uncle, another uncle, uh, my maternal side of the family, not the one who. Uh, ties back into the guitar story uh had drew a little caricature of my aunt in some of those like that white blank border so that kind of stuff you know it was a hand-me-down from a family member it's just burning my brain you know kiss alive one was another big one for me uh love it to death still constant rotation kiss not so much these days for me just personally but i you know i have to acknowledge that uh the sound of ace Frehley's guitar the the bends the weird kind of like phrasing I was just like, I, I want to do something that sounds like that. And um, that was huge for me. And then there was also, there was an image that was really pivotal for me. It wasn't even a record. It was something I probably, you know, yanked out of some centerfold of some rock mag or something. But it was a centerfold of Jimmy Page. And it was in this purple, you know, backlight, completely like washed out in this purple. And I love purple. It's, a, it's one of my favorite colors. And so that immediately struck me and this side of him with the bow, you know, like fully extended back, not playing it with a pick, not playing it, quote unquote, conventionally. And I'm like, I that just I don't even know what that sounds like when he does that. But that looks so incredibly sick, you know. <laughs> so did you ever hear, was, uh, did you ever hear the creation? What's that? I'm sorry. The Creation. It was an England band managed by the same cat at the time who was managing the Who, Shel Tamley. I and do remember that's, that that's where, Well, that's where Jimmy Page got the idea, because that cat played with a bow. Oh, so he did it prior? <laughs> the dude from The Creation did it prior to that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, like that's that okay. Band. Nothing against Jimmy Page and nothing against your memory. That's probably that purple <laughs> you're talking about was probably black light because when I was a boy, that was a big deal. You would paint the inside. I never did, but older friends, they paint their bedroom black and you put up these fucking posters, fluorescent posters, and the black light would look trippy. 
Yeah, I, even, you know, when I was growing up, I'm 47, so I remember those. You know, you go to Spencer's and shit, and they still had those. They're like kind of like textured, like yeah. velvety kind of feeling. Sure. But, yeah. A lot of times, uh, MC Escher things and shit like that. Things you yeah. don't let you trip out on when you're smoking motor. Heady, heady stuff, yeah, heady stuff. Let me you ask you this. What was the first, what was your first gig that you saw? Oh, <laughs> first gig was probably Dokken and Loverboy at a local stadium here. You know, it was the time. Uh, like I said, I, you know, grew up in the 80s and uh, was into all the hair metal shit, you know. And, uh, yeah, that was one of the first – that was probably my first show. I was 12 years old. Right. We were 13 and we saw T-Rex, me and D-Boom. I mean, was, way cooler than – That was our first game. <laughs> yeah, but I asked that question because a lot of times being a boy and shit, you don't even pick, right? You brought into the situation. But that was it, yeah. you know? That was it. I mean, obviously couldn't drive myself there, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's just like you're at the mercy of like, hey, you know, will you take me to the show? And, oh, who is it? Yeah, sure, yeah, cool. Get this. You know? D. Boone's pop sat with us. Yeah, oh, yeah, I sat with my folks. Okay, okay. Look, you gave me some uh, other hostage pageant. There's a great band name, Hostage Pageant. We got to learn about this. Absorb, deteriorate, and shatter. Let's listen.
Ask them what is to be for the tomorrow. Some say they don't know. They don't know. Ask them what is to be for the tomorrow. Some say they don't know. They don't know. Some say they don't know.
Off from Pedro's show, that chunk of music start off with Hostage Pageant doing Sorb, Deteriorate, and Shatter. Then Creation Rebel, brand new. These guys haven't recorded in, what, 30-something years? Under Pressure. Guided by voices, this guy talking about Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Bob Pollard, right? He puts out an album every other month. This man puts man, the PM prolific. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And I also got to say, his guitar man, Doug Gillard, you know, to keep coming up. It reminds me of Greg Sage. We're like, you know, those first three Wiper albums, kind of the same, but st- still bitching. Yeah, somehow yeah. putting like a fresh spin on the same like Right, chord. right. Yeah, it takes more talent than most people would probably right. think. Right, yeah. Dayton guy singing with the England accent, too. Trippy. <laughs> yeah, Hostage I know. You can get a lot of Bobby P, man. Um, well, he, he made oh. jokes about it. He said he would sound like a kick if he didn't do that. He's yeah, he was like, that's what I listened to. It's, you know, just, it was natural for me to emulate you know, that. he you was know? a teacher a long time. And he did yeah. music on the, yeah, oh, you know, okay. Hostage pageant, finally, with loss of definition. So, now, I'm not talking about after school, like graduating, but after school in the afternoon. Did you get into the garage band, basement band, bedroom band thing? Absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's what I uh, was kind of alluding to with the parallel universe thing. would be at school learning this academic approach, you know, reading music and playing jazz and classical stuff. And then at home, I would come home and, and teach myself by ear uh, how to play along with punk records, you know, some records you were on, uh, SST shit and um and metal you know and was like sort of approaching it not necessarily like quote-unquote garage rock like stylistically but it was definitely in the garage and it was all diy and self-taught you know driving the folks crazy that kind of thing what about buddies uh, did you put it together some little ensembles yeah yeah definitely playing with you know friends uh cover bands you know the the whole normal trajectory that so many of us that do this have been down you know but uh yeah you know doing the rites of passage and paying the dues if you will believe it or uh, not i have cats who just when they start playing started writing they didn't copy songs off records like me and d boone they actually started writing i think that's one of the consequences of the movement i'm not talking about guys like you know san pedro high class of 76 but (laughs) No, sure, I know, I see what you're, and I fully agree in with fact, that. we I, didn't I mean, know, get this, Shane, we didn't know one cat in those days, the 70s, even the best guy, got, what was his name, I can't remember his name right now, but even the guy who could play the best didn't write their own stuff, just people didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, that concept wasn't really something I was aware of until I probably got, you know, late teens, early 20s, and started recording um, my own stuff at home, like on a four track, you know. Oh, what was it, a cassette? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm still a big cassette guy. Still record, even like some of my current bands we record on, you know, a four-track task cam. Did any of these bands go beyond prac and jam? Did anyone do gigs? Yeah. um, Tell me about your first gig. The first band I did, man, I can't even remember the name. I, I I think it was something like Poison Ivy or something like that. But we, you know, I grew up in rural Virginia on the Kentucky state line. And, um, you know, there's just, I mean, it's just, there's nothing there, especially in the 90s when I was was still there in high school. And so there was a place called Pikeville, Kentucky, a place called Marlowe's Country Palace. And I'm seriously, you can't make this up. Straight Out Blues Brothers, Chicken Wire. Um, BYOB kind of deal so it's a little bit of like a, you know a lawless feel and so we roll in there as teenagers you know I think I, I don't know that I was able to drive yet I guess I would have been at least 15 maybe 16 uh, but you know yeah some of the other guys were at least old enough to drive we pile in this guy's like Trans Am there's like six of us with our hard show cases and everything 
And we go to this gig and like, you know, I'm terrified. I was fronting it. I always hated fronting acts, still do. And um, I was by default the guy that had to like, you know, do vocals and everything. And so we're backstage and it's this little bit of like a battle of the band scenario. And some of the guys were like, what do you, you know, what do you guys usually do? And we're like, well, we're, we're, you know, we play metal, we play metal covers, but we kind of worked up some different shit for this because we don't, you know, want to die. And, uh, they were like, oh, you know, we we kind of, we do mostly heavy stuff too. And, and we were thinking the same thing, but you know, like we're, maybe we'll just do it. And, you know, we were like, well, go for it. So they went on first and people hated them. I mean, they were throwing stuff. And so I was just at that point petrified. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't go in front of this this crowd, you know. But anyway, somehow mustered that up and we went up and played our little three song set. And of course, you know, this is like a roadhouse vibe. Right. And we opened with ZZ Top Tush and we we had them, you know. So it was like somehow dodged that bullet and had pulled this off successfully. And the rush from that coupled with, you know, just that first time of playing in front of an audience and having that energy sent back to you. Um, you know, Billy didn't sing that. It was Dusty. Yeah, I know. Okay. And, and and did a killer fucking job on that. I like Fandango know? and uh, 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 Trace Hombres. Those two albums are so fucking bitch. Hombres and that self, that first album are self-titled. You know, that, those are oh, my yeah, favorites. Oh, yeah, yeah, and the Mississippi Mud. No. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, Rio Grande. It's, it's all solid, man. That early shit, you just can't, you can't knock it, you know? That's what it's called, yeah, my memory. But uh, <laughs> yeah, later, a little later on, I could knock it. It was, but still, I got to uh, play with them with the Stooges and get to meet them personally. And all three of them were really bitching. Dusty Hill had like ten thumbs, the littlest fingers, and he played so good, man. I was like a fireplug. He was beautiful. He was really beautiful. And Billy and Frank too was really kind to me. So, so you, you're going to say that first gig was a success. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, it was kind of wild. You know, we come out of there and uh, like I said, really kind of lawless sort of place in the, in the hills of Kentucky and like our, our hubcaps are stolen off the guy's car. And, uh, you know, I think I, we had some gear stolen out of the green room and stuff. But it was, yeah, it, it, I guess you could, uh, by all intents and purposes, call it a success. And yeah, that you pretty could, much summed it up for me, you know. After that, I was call, like, this is what I always want to do. You call the stolen thing uh, the donate. Now, now, here's a trip. You were playing guitar and singing. Yeah, this that's music, right. Yeah, but this music you're giving me don't sound like this. So there must have been a transition somewhere. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I've been doing this for so long while that I didn't want to like inundate you with, you know, just all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I've came from, you know, mostly like a metal background. Um, and like I said, kind of punk metal, but with that underpinning of, you know, traditional academic studies of jazz and classical. And so always being very open minded. And uh, yeah, so then, you know, in my 20s, I moved where I'm currently at here now, a couple of hours away from where I'm originally from, and uh, started working in record shops. And um, that was mid 90s. And you know, that I'm sure you know this, uh, you're around that environment, you start just being uh, flooded with all these different, you know, avenues of sound and forms of expression. And if you're open to them, it's a really wonderful thing to just have all that at your disposal. And so that's when I started discovering a lot of other styles of music and even getting deeper into say like jazz, which I, you know, had already studied, but maybe was more of a, kind of like I do this at school thing, but 
twenties, I started becoming obsessed with Charlie Mingus and, um, just kind of went from there. But the whole time I'm like in metal bands, black metal bands, you know, grindcore doom. And, uh, you know, at a certain point I, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't, I'm never really fulfilled staying in one spot and one form of expression. So I kept pushing and, uh, found experimental music, which is, I think, you know, the breadth of what I sent you uh, for the show. But I mean, currently, you know, I'm still active in that scene, but also back playing, you know, in metal bands again and stuff. So, um, yeah, lots of lots of different things. So when did you first leave the guitar? What would would you get into? Uh, did you buy a synthesizer or, you, or some kind of you modular know, thing, or so, or just fucking with tape? Or well, all of the above, actually. Uh, uh, my first instrument that I sort of took on myself, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of band was the drums. Um, but then I, I quickly, you know, was like, okay. Um, I'm somewhat proficient here, not trying to master the instrument, good enough to do it, you know, total punk mindset. And I'm like, I'm just going to move on to something else. And when I hit the guitar, I think I knew, I think I knew then that that, you know, that was the one for me. Um, so then also, you know, moved on to bass and keys and things like that. Again, just trying to become proficient at least, um, in, in, on everything. And so that, cause I'm an only child and, um, I've kind of always had solitary interests that I haven't really shared um, with a lot of my peer groups and stuff like that. And so I've sort of just always found things on my own and did things on my own. And, um, you know, just uh, to make sure that that it was at least happening and I was at least able to do something. So it's like I, I kind of thought, well, if I can play drums pretty good, if I can play guitar pretty good, then I can do all this myself, you know. And um, but yeah, as far as like moving away from conventional instruments, man, it was probably like some shitty software, you know, at first of like, oh, these oscillators really sound super sick and gross. And this is not like making conventional music, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that that kind of got me first. But then obviously in the synths and stuff and, and then a lot of pedal noise, you know, being a guitarist, having that stuff in my arsenal anyway, and then micing up some you know, amplified sheet metal and running it through that stuff. And bingo, you know, for me, instant harsh junk noise. And then the tape, uh, once I just really started working with tape again, it was like the, the same equivalent with the guitar, uh, in, in conventional quote unquote music, I was kind of found my medium with tape, uh, prefer when it comes to experimental avant-garde music, whatever you want to call it. I prefer to definitely work with tape, even though it's the biggest pain in the ass and really tedious, uh, I, I love it. Okay, we're at the end of the first hour, August 21, 2023. This is Peter, so special guest, Shane Church. Hold tight for hour two. August 21, 2023. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. <laughs>
Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this Wednesday night. For that last set, we got Fun and Weird. At the very top, we had a track called The Odeon or Oneidin. It's one of those, probably. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, it's a band, local band called Style King of the Week. Now, I stumbled upon their Instagram page. It's really cool, really awesome. I like that mix of uh, experimental tape loops with that live drum machine and the analog synthesizers. So, yeah keeping my eyes on them to see what they do next.
Makes sense, man. Makes a lot sense. for Pedro's show. Start off second hour with Glass Half. As sad as it seems. Then we had Sir Richard Bishop coming of the Rats. Style King of the Week. <laughs> Name of that band cracks me up. <laughs> I don't know how to. It looks like Wonedon. Wonedon. O N E I D A N. Damn it. Sorry. No disrespect. Street Sex from Texas. After that, with Featherweight Hate. Finally, Toll. Rob of, a robe of constellations, Rob. Anyway, people, Toll and half, uh, Glass Half are, are Shane's church projects. But we want to talk first about the stuff we played last hour. We had three tunes, three pieces from Hostage Pageant. So hip us to this. Enlighten us, Brother Shane. Yeah, um, Hostage Pageant was my first attempt at making solo noise. Um that at least in my mind was meant to be fully realized. You know, I'd kind of experimented and messed around with some stuff. Uh, but that was the first thing where I actually got serious about it and started really focusing on getting releases out and playing live and touring. And yeah, it kind of always, I guess, through the last 10 plus, you know, 12 plus years that I've been active in that scene, uh, my main uh, solo vehicle, I guess, if you will. And in the timeline, those t- Tubes absorb, deteriorate, shatter, see, uh, loss of definition, and a frown on your sister's face. Which one was first? Oh, wow. Um, probably a frown on your sister's face, okay. I, would, I would think, yeah. And, and t- now, you, you told me you, uh, you were doing covers and stuff on the guitar, and then I guess keyboards and drums and everything else. But with this band, you were not channeling other bands, right? You were uh, doing original compositions. So what was the process? Yeah, I mean, you know, I moved on to doing original compositions even uh, with, you know, my metal recordings and stuff like that that we had previously talked about. Um, but, you know, even then you're you're kind of operating from a template, if you will, uh, even if it is somewhat an abstract one because it is, you know, uh, rhythm section, guitar, bass, vocals, you know, et cetera. Et cetera. Uh, but with noise and avant-garde and sound art, there, there are no um, templates per se, unless you want to identify them because it's all pretty much free reign, you know? So that was, um, yeah, I left all conventional instruments behind when I started moving into that. Even, I mean, I didn't even play in any conventional bands uh, until a couple years ago. Uh, I was only doing experimental shit. All my guitars were locked in cases unless I pulled one out and went full on Thurston with a metal file or drumstick, you know, between the strings for, you know, a noise sound source, but I wasn't playing them in a musical way. Uh, it actually took me a little while to get my chops back once I did start playing a couple years ago because I'd left conventional instruments behind entirely for a little over a decade. So yeah, fully into, um, making experimental music with, you know, undefined methods. I loved, I loved not having that checklist, uh, you know, doing conventional music for so long, um, which obviously has its merits. I'm happy to be doing that again, but I had really reached a point where I was tired of it. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think life's about taking turns anyway. Shit. We don't, the shift ain't that long. <laughs> no, exactly right. Just and, go, and go curious, to where it takes you, you know? I'm curious, because these all three pieces of Hostage Pageant have titles. When does the title come in? At the end? At the beginning? In the middle? Uh, both. Uh, well, all three, I guess. Uh, maybe not so much in the middle for me during the work in, in, pro- in progress. 
Um, but yeah, after the fact, based on emotions that were maybe uh, conjured that I can sort of hear upon playback, or and then sometimes it's a concept to begin with, right? You know, the title is is where the feelings are coming from, you know? Okay. And uh, another thing, this is Man Alone, right? This is not ensemble stuff. No, no. Hostage pageant, still image, even toil, you know, going back to like the black metal stuff. Near the end of that project, I had uh, drafted in a friend of mine from Australia to do synth. I mean, I was previously doing it myself, but I was a big fan of his band and we're really good friends even now. And I wanted him involved in the band. So brought him in on synth during the later days. But yeah, uh, like I said earlier, only child and kind of having these interests on my own for the most part, um, not really sharing them with a lot of friends. I was always accustomed to just, yeah, doing everything myself. I did go on to, uh, do collaborations in noise. Once I, you know, started meeting, uh, some of these guys and befriending them and, you know, realizing that we could share these expressions in a, in an interesting way. And there was a reason to do it, you know? So, uh, like glass half is a collab harness, Okay, speaking of harness, let's li you gave me two harness tunes. Let's listen.
bunch of parents. How come nobody's dancing up front here, huh? 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 Everybody who was here last time was dancing up front. You guys are lame! Don't bug them. Get up here! They're not high enough yet. Don't be lame! Detroit's been lame for 12 fucking years.
Watch for Pedro show that chunk of music started with harness doing mind of stone and water. L7 after that. It's got Larissa the late Larissa we lost her a bunch of years ago, but she was in Half Nainas with John too. Yeah, excellent band. Oh, remember yeah. Uh Don't Be Lame is the name of the song. That's a title, right? <laughs> Don't be lame. Pretty okay. simple concept. Yeah, right. <laughs> She didn't play guitar. She's just the singer in this band. It's trippy. Yeah, yeah. She played guitar with the with the hyenas. Right, right. L seven. And you could tell she was into Roland Howard. Yeah, yeah total birthday right. party vibes. Right. Spime dot I am with heliotrope, and then finally harness. Pry open the lid of the third eye. Okay, and uh, you mentioned harness, and you said this was a collab. Yeah, that's a collab with a friend of mine, Luke Tandy from Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, okay. Land, land of GBV, Breeders, <laughs> Brainiac, uh, Zap, Slave, Ohio Players. You know that. That's love right. Town. No, Zap, Zap and fucking Ohio Players. Fire, yeah. right? I love that town so much. Uh, prior to meeting my wife, I was on my way to moving there. I literally packed up my house, given my two-week notice. Wow. But uh, it, it, things worked out that way, and they worked out for the best, uh, so no regrets. But I do, I feel connected to that town, for sure. Well, well okay. And how'd you meet him? On tour or something? Yeah, yeah, okay. through the noise scene. Uh, you know, he sure. was... No, no, people ask me, hey, what, what, what's the old days about? I say it was about people. And yeah. I think the new days it's is about people, his connection, too. You know, um, <laughs> has to come from that, for me. It has to be yeah. like a grassroots thing. If things feel too... Uh, structured and therefore corporate, you know, uh, yeah, with like the way the show is set up, it, it, it loses. I don't know, you know. I, I know it's part of the necessary evils of of what we all do, but like it to me, I lose interest when it comes like that. It feels a little sterile. I like the grassroots, you know, sleeping on people's floors and that kind of that kind of thing, that yeah. aspect of it. Which is how I met Luke. He was Luke's always, you know, he's a fellow record store owner uh, there in Dayton. Uh, Skeleton Dust Records, probably close to their sixth year at this point. Um, and he's always been someone who was running house venues Respect. and trying to support, you know, touring uh, musicians and also the local scene. And so, you know, ended up playing staying in his house uh, by being someone that was, you know, booked at a show there and just really hit it off with he and his wife, fiance at the time. And uh, just became really close friends. And so then we, you know, he asked me to be a part of a project that he and his brother were doing at the time called Orgasmic Response Unit, only as a live member. And so that was a lot of fun. And that's when we kind of like actually started working together sonically. And then, uh, yeah, Harness just, Harness actually, funny enough, started out as, you know, our first recording on a split tape uh, with Glass Half was just hard. It was just harsh noise. You know, we were both kind of Luke and I both really just focusing on that at the time. And so we just kind of like brought, you know, our projects together for like a hybrid. And then it became more conceptual and specifically became a, t a tape music project. So after that first release, everything that Harness has done is pre-recorded and um, cassette manipulation. You know, that uh, Wire song off their third album, Map Reference, whatever. Off of uh, 154? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. There's a line in there where he goes, "Harness fitted." Now, we the harness, yeah, we use all that, but fitted that tripped me out. I know it's the Queen's English, but damn that. Right, me. still half, half, half glass, half and toe. Are those man alone, or are those collabs? 
So uh, Toil was actually prior to any of the noise toil, stuff. Toil, not Toll. Uh, no, no, it's cool. Yeah, it, no, it was prior to any of the noise stuff. That was a one-man black metal thing that I did. Okay. Uh, like I said, near the end, I had drafted in um, someone, uh, a, a guy who went by the name of Wraith uh, from Australia from a band there called Nazul. And, uh, but yeah, prior to that, it was all one man. But then fast forward to Glass Half, um, Luke Tandy, uh, my friend, again, that I, I do harness with, he has a brother also active in the scene named Nate Tandy, who's now uh, living in Hanoi. He now lives in Vietnam. Uh, during the time he was still here stateside, we were also doing a project together, and that's Glass Half. Actually, Glass Half, I heard def- there's a noise scene in Vietnam. Yeah, I think, you know, he's, I mean, he's certainly playing He's part of it? That's great. That's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Brother Shane, sorry, but we're at the end of the second hour, August 21, 2023. This is what Pedro, so special guest Shane Church. Hold tight for hour three. August 21, 2023. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Live from Pedro Show. Start off third hour with Crooked Necks doing Poison in the Sea. Greg Siegel after that with Daily. Crooked Necks again with Streets with Teeth. And Cheer Accident out of Chicago with Thane. And then the last prodge worth of music you gave me is Still Image. And this is Cloud View. Here another couple tunes later, but first hip us to Crooked Necks, Brother Shane. Yeah, Crooked Necks. Uh, so when I was coming out of the black metal scene, because uh, I was just really fed up with, you know, a lot of just the BS that can be associated with that scene. And then also, you know, uh, like I said earlier, just being tired of doing conventional music. I was also getting tired of that. Uh, so I thought, well, if I'm going to continue to play conventional music, at least for the time being, let me step out of the metal scene for a while. So Another friend of mine, uh, Andy Krupinski, who was also active in some black metal bands at the time uh, in Northern Virginia. He's a Fairfax guy um, outside of D.C. Dave Grohl. I think Dave Grohl's uh, Fairfax. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Same. I mean, that's a great town, too, man. It was a great scene there a few years ago, for sure. I don't know about now. But, yeah, so Andy is no longer there. He's now in Austin, uh, owns his own donut shop. Shout outs to Andy K's Donuts. And, uh, yeah, so we were sort of like, uh, we never recorded in the same room, Crooked Necks. You know, we, he and I decided, let's just do something that's not metal. And uh, I think we were subconsciously pulling a lot of our black metal influences. They were kind of like trailing off of us, if you will. So they were still kind of there, but they weren't intentional, you know. They weren't deliberate. They were more residual and just sort of like remaining you know, impressions of what we have been doing for the years prior. But we, our attempt is to make something, you know, akin to the chameleons and Echo and the Bunnymen and stuff like that. Um, but Andy was like, but I, you know, I'm only a metal vocalist. And so I only know how to do metal vocals. So we no, were just no, kind of like, well, paper, metal, that sounds kind of fucked, that. right? But like, let's see what happens. And it kind of worked. And um, when you say yeah, that, do you mean like the cookie monster thing? Uh, more like this kind of like uh, the black metal thing where it's more like screeching, you okay. know, uh, like higher, higher because, pitch. I remember the Stooges doing this Hellfest in southern France and that all the bands had this cookie monster thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I am in, you know, I'm in currently in a death metal band. Uh, we're going by the name Desiccated right now, but we haven't, you know, really landed on it yet. We're still tracking the demos. So there's time uh, to really put that in concrete, but yeah, you know, so I, I definitely am in bands that, that have the guttural <laughs> cookie monster vocals. But like you said, sometimes you go to these fests and it's just so, it's so one note, you know, yeah, it's so yeah. trick pony. It's like, it, this shit just, nobody really stands out because it all kind of sounds the same, you know, <laughs> yeah. humans do this. Like they, I mean, they, they want to shout about individuality and stuff and even they're born with different fingerprints. Right. So it's right I mean, there in the DNA. But when it comes to expressing themselves, they want to get in that herd. Yeah, man. It's safety <laughs> in numbers, you know? Safety in numbers. I've always been willing to just throw that shit out the window. Yep. And even if you fall flat on your face, just be willing to take a chance. But at least do something that maybe people take note of, you know? I mean, it's just why else – Besides fulfilling your own internal creative impulse, why else would you really do it? You know, I mean, like I said, Absolutely. if you're only doing it to just be one of several of the same kind of band, I just don't see the point in that. You know, yeah. it takes a lot of work and a lot of time, as you well know. Why do it if if that's the if that's the payoff? You and, know? and still image. Yeah, still image. Uh, so that ended up coming. 
uh, obviously after Crooked Neck. So basically the trajectory, you know, I guess the first thing I did that anybody would probably know would probably be Toil, you know, the black metal stuff. There was stuff prior to that, but that's the first stuff that actually had, I guess, like proper releases. Uh, Toil into Crooked Necks into uh the noise stuff and noise stuff primarily mostly harsh and then uh as i went on i ended up doing still image um most recently in the noise stuff and that's again purely tape music um same concept as harness i think harness maybe we intentionally you know we kind of thought of ourselves as like music concrete for harsh heads kind of thing but still image to me is i don't want it to be harsh at all i want it to be uh purely about found sound music concrete field recordings natural sound but everything is on either extended tapes or tape loops and it's pre-recorded by myself or is uh, found sound uh in the environment and it's put on these loops in differing lengths and they're played back in a very uh composed way as a matter of fact it's that is the one noise project that i do going back to what you and I were talking about earlier yeah. that actually is composed like a song would be. Um, so I do like three, four takes of each still image and then each still image piece rather, excuse me, and then pick, you know, the best take. Uh, whereas a lot of the other stuff like hostage pageant and stuff like that, it's, it's more like a stream of consciousness, hook it up, press record, go performance and, and then cut out anything else that, you know, doesn't work later on. But still image is already premeditated and um, kind of script, uh, like scripted, scripted. And, and to me, the point would be discipline. You yeah. know, sure, um, sure, there's sure. so much like lack of that and, and not to a fall in harsh noise. There, It needs that kind of like unhinged, like freewheeling. What what the fuck's happening? Chaotic environment for me. Sure, uh, but sure. for me, like when I get into stuff like Stockhausen and Cage and Ferrari and Zanakis, it, it the the studious, the 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 composed, the the you know restrained nature of that. Throbbing Gristle, Gristle too would go all over the place. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look at that. You know, the early output from sure. the, the know, first second annual, annual and yeah, second the annual, annual like jazz funk. It's totally and different. then jazz funk kits. Yeah, right. Man, that song 666, is that a tr- – God's got a weird feel. <laughs> Dude, so it. much of that shit is still unsettling today. Wow, very unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's listen to some still him.
for Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Still Image with Undercurrent and Carnage Asada. Their new album, Blood of Thorns, is the tune. Uh, Still Image again. Linda and Mir. Okay. And what's current right now for you? Uh, currently working in, like I said, a death metal band right now here with some local guys. And um, also another local friend of mine that I've known for years within the past year. We've started doing um, something called a red light in June. And it's just the two of us doing like a guitar duo, ambient drone, experimental sort of thing uh, with projections. So it's an audiovisual project. We don't really have any intentions on recording. Um, we only really perform seasonally. Uh, we're both business owners and pretty busy and stuff. So uh, we just kind of do it when we can. And it's so we kind of that's a little bit of a different sort of special project again, because it's like if you don't catch it live, you know, you won't you won't even know what it sounds like. Uh, and then working on some doom stuff with a couple friends of mine as well. And obviously still working in experimental uh, more privately these days. I still do a lot of that stuff, but uh, I'm really bad to recoil from scenes. I think anyone that's followed <laughs> my past can see that. I I don't know. I tend to jump ship sometimes. And so right now I'm not really like doing anything, not touring or releasing any music through like through the noise scene, but I am still kind of doing some home experiments, you know. Is there a place on the internet where people can hear your music? No place that's cohesive. I I've never been someone who wanted a band camp. Of uh, no offense to anyone who does. I mean, I realize, you know, that is a necessary evil these days. Uh, no SoundCloud or anything like that. I would just say if, if anyone is interested, you know, there's there's stuff on YouTube from the projects that you and I have mentioned. And um, and then, of course, anyone, you know, could hit me up, Liquid Telegraph at Gmail. If anyone's interested, I'd be happy to give them more information about where they can maybe track some stuff down. There's still some physical copies. I've always been more of a physical copy guy, I guess, because of, you know, just my age and, and being a record store guy, too. Uh, it's very important to me. So, uh, yeah, I could probably always steer someone in the right direction if need be. And your record store is in Bristol, Virginia? Yeah, yeah, what? It's uh, Bristol, Virginia. It's called Ceremonial Sound. It's a vinyl-only boutique. Very is there small. a website for Ceremonial Sound? Yeah, ceremonialsound.net. Okay, so maybe that's a way. 
<laughs> yeah, but, and then I'm also on Discogs, you know. I'm uh, thinking about those stuff. listeners in Sarajevo, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they can definitely do the .NET, and, and you know, there's a breadcrumb trail there to, like, the, the Discogs store. Uh, and anyone that's on Discogs can find me on there as well as, as far as, like, a seller for the shop. And, yeah, if anyone's ever in town, feel free to swing by. Well, look, sound. you get this new band. This sounds like an ensemble. So with, you're going to record uh, maybe an album? Uh, EP right now, okay. for sure. Uh, okay. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully there's a lot more to come on down the road. But, yeah, we're uh, – actually, the instrumental tracks are wrapped up. Okay. And, uh, well, I want to put the invite. I want to put the invite out right now. When you get music ready, can you please bring – We'll oh, I'd absolutely be talk. happy to. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah, keep on keeping on. Please, brother. People, it's thank been you. August 21, 2023 edition of the Watt for Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.